river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 125. So when last we left our hero, it feels like months have passed for Kaelin, but it has in fact only been um, a day or two. Yeah. Uh, so you invaded Pytaxia successfully. Yes. Uh, we had a ginormous army battle. Yep. Bryn and you went in to confront Villamorkoth and Ereveti. Yep, we um, found a freaky young... Someone who pretended to be Bryn's mother, but really wasn't on account of she was a giant snake lady. Yes, we went in, we broke into the throne room, we found Villamore Coff and something that clearly wasn't Uraveti. We fought them. The um, thing that wasn't Uraveti turned out to be a giant Kaelin killing bomb. Yep, and it killed Kaelin. It very nearly killed Kaelin, but he is not dead. It was a very successful Kaelin killing trap. Yep. Unfortunately, it did kill Villamore Coff. Yep. Well, whether you think that is unfortunate or not depends on your point of view. Um, and then Kaelin is basically staggered out looking like he's been in an explosion. Yeah. Uh, smouldering from the eyebrows, kind yeah. of thing, smoke and burnt skin everywhere. Staggered off, kind of collapsed in the city and slept for 15 hours. Yeah. Um, when you wake up, um, Rast Selene, um <coughs> heroically diplomatizes you and, you know, liberates the city from your troops, effectively. Yeah, that's what we... Because I staggered back out to the army on the hillside yeah. and arranged that that would happen. And after I had a bit of a rest arranged with her that that would happen. Yeah. So then my army marches back Elksworth's West while her army goes in yeah. and liberates the city from the um, evil Kaelin's scary troops. Yeah, so she continues sort of her reputation as the, as the great uniter. Yeah. Um... And uh, will uh, word will fairly rapidly reach you of more or less what you're expecting, which is she goes looking for Eravetti in the city and doesn't turn him up. Yeah. Um, and you were basically staggering back um, to Stagthorn. You've received a message from Michaela to say nothing's happened here. Yeah. Whatever. If Eravetti had a backup plan or a second strike, it hasn't come here. Yeah. Um, and. That is about where we come back. So you were staggering back into Stagthorn yep. after a couple of days' travel with your armies. Um, 
I don't think you've um, paid your armies and run your debts and all that sort of thing, but I could be wrong. Uh, let me that as well as you do. Um, let me have a look, see at the kingdom sheet, and see where we are. Um, We're still in Aristus. We haven't hit the next month and kingdom turn yet. Right, so we haven't done. Oh, okay, because I had. Um, could be wrong. Uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure we're in Erodius. Right. Because um, Aristus was when Van and Switlana got married to Tobias Bernadolig's statue and um, Lillian and Cassandra got engaged. And then we had the one month of Erodius where, because that was the um, month I went to Lizardtown and Pytaxia and explored them. Right. And then Erodius we had Kingdom Turns. And yes, I have paid my army. I've got minus 32 build points for the army on here. Well done. Oh, but what I haven't done is filled in the calendar sheet with what happened in a, in a Rodius, making it look like it's Aristus. Yep, that's where I got confused. Yeah. In the, the invasion of Pytaxia has happened in Rodius on yep. uh, 47.22, I think, still at this point. Yep, 47.22. Next time I, <laughs> next time I run the Kingmaker... Yeah. I'm, I'm going to make sure, by hook or by crook, that your kingdom year starts on the first day of the first month of the first year. Yeah. So that I don't have to put up with this thing where it's a new year worth of kingdom events, but not actually a new year, because we started part way through. Yeah. Also, I'll go through at the start and strangle everyone who names their cities like Pytax and Pytax and Catapesh and Catapesh. Yeah. Cities and countries should have different names or GMs become confused and angry. <laughs> yeah. I'm just laughing as I look at the Clockwork Coffee stats and I've got his list of pre-recorded lines in here because they're the only things he can say. Yeah. Your peace is stagnation. Your decisions are made with your heart, not your hand, and you will bring the River Kingdoms to ruin. The war must continue. You must die. <laughs> Cough, destroy him. <laughs> no, this cannot be the end of the clockwork king. <laughs> okay, so you basically stagger back to find... Um, uh, I was going to say a celebration waiting for you, but given circumstances, probably not. Because... It may or may not be entirely appropriate given you haven't killed her already and you may or may not want to announce that to people. Um, so, th- let us say instead of a grandiose party there is a receiving. Yeah, because uh, we, 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 you know, we've conquered another yeah. kingdom that we didn't particularly want to. It's not so- We are happy that we won, but it's not something that we want to have a huge celebration of. But effectively, Michaela's put together a celebration appropriate for you have won a mighty battle, yeah. but not a war, per se, yeah. without ever actually announcing that's what's happening. Yeah. So, um, I'm happy to talk it over with my council, but I don't know that it needs a scene. Probably um, not. message is going to be that the Clockwork King has been driven out of Pytax. Yep. So we're not going to say he's dead. Yep. Um, we're not going to, uh, unless people particularly ask and have a good reason for knowing, we're not going to go into a lot of details yep. about what happened to him, but we're going to say the Clockwork King has been driven out of Pytax yeah, and go- Pytax has been liberated. Which which leans towards a strong interpretation that he's dead, but doesn't actually say it. Michaela is very proud of you. Thank you. You've come far. Yeah.
So, back in, um, back in Elk's Rest, yep. um, I have Zadiga's Picnic. You do. Which I can give to Tristram, yep. and I have, um, uh, Randall's Raiders, no, what's that, not Randall's Raiders, um, no, the River Raiders. Yeah. I've got the River Raiders who agreed to come back and get their pay, yep. and then talk over what's going to happen next. Yep. And are camped outside of the walls in a slightly tense manner. Because very, very much so. So I'd probably do them first and then go see Tristram and give him Zadiga's picnic. Yep. I've got a pile of treasure to divide because I managed to loot some stuff personally. Yep, and you've um, got Koth's, um, I'm pretty sure he profited, he had a ring of evasion. Yeah, I had, I've got some cool, cool yep. treasure. And then, um, I think I'm kind of rolling into, um, like there's a lot more of, um, the, what was Pytex to explore? Yep. But I'm probably kind of rolling into a more downtime-like method of doing it. That's quite fair. I've got no hero points of any description, <laughs> so um, I'm certainly not going to be do- tr- trying to avoid doing anything strenuous until I do level again. <laughs> so because of um, because of the pro- the prospect that you could have, in theory, retrieved this um, back at the Rushlight Tournament, I have Zadiga's picnic here. Cool. Details there, which you may access at any given time. Cool. So you don't need to ask Kristen for an info dump, or rather, the info dump he will give you is. Cool. Alright, so we have our celebration. Yeah. And then, um, which, you know, people from the River Races are welcome to come to, but I imagine they're a bit twitchy for that kind of thing. Yeah. And then Kalen is going to go out and talk to them. Um, And I will. Probably bring Michaela along. No, actually, I'll bring Bryn, Bryn along, and um, I'm going to want to just sit down with just the two of us because you know I don't need to, that. That's less threatening for them, and I'm not deeply worried about yep. them assassinating me. Yeah, and have a conversation with um, Marlin and. And at this point, you're actually sitting down with the two of them because you have Marlin and Alora here. Yes. Um. And she, like, your first takeaway from her was at that uh, bragging the, yeah. the bragging contest where she was basically very slutted up. Yeah. And all men want me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, here, she is still kind of dressed like that because that seems to be her default, but she doesn't drape herself over Marlin at all. Yeah. She just sits next to him at the table. However, it doubtlessly won't be lost on Kaylin that, like, through the, the entire conversation, their hands are locked with each other. And they just never part. <laughs> like yeah. They're in no hurry to let each other go. They've been apart for a while. Uh, Marlin looks uh, pretty pleased on the whole. Um, not the least of which because Michaela would have pointed out that, um, you know, if you did want to sneak attack and ambush and arrest or kill him, it would be a good time to do it before he's had time to, like, fortify his army camp here and all the rest of it. But yeah. now he has, so he's... Like, he's, he's not... Deeply concerned that you're going to betray him, but he's always ready for it in yeah. some fashion. And now he's on the best end of it that he's going to get, so he's happy with that. Um, your Majesties, Marlin, Laura, it's good to see the two of you together. Laura sort of licks her lips like she's slightly unaccustomed to words, and she gives you a deep knowledge. She says, thank you for bringing my husband and my son back home to me. You're welcome. 
So we need to talk about what you and yours are going to do now. So if you want to stay here, either as an army or as private citizens, you'd be most welcome to. That's one option. Um, another is that you can be looking for work elsewhere. If you um, are interested in going mercenarying, I um, still have some contacts at the guild I can put you in mind of. It's a, um, it's a profitable trade, and while it ain't safe, it's probably at least as safe as what you were doing before. Lastly, of course, you could return to your old trade. If so, it would be wisest to do it outside my kingdom. Or Mavoy, or any of the people that you've recently been allied with. I quite understand the situation, <laughs> Your Majesty, Sir Marlin. Good. I, um, I like you both, and I don't want there to be any trouble between us, but I don't want you to get the wrong impression just because I work, I, I've worked with some people who used to be bandits. I've also hanged a lot of bandits in this kingdom. It's not something that I'm particularly comfortable with as a trade. I don't underestimate the two of you. I don't want to be your enemies. And you don't want to be mine. So, no, no Caitlin, we do not. <laughs> so the question is what you want to do. And you're welcome to have some more time to think it over. And the two of them give each other like a brief soul-searching glance, and they're very obviously like thought of this beforehand and yeah. discussed it, and all the rest of it. Um, and Laura turns back to you. I think for the moment we've seen quite enough of the River Kingdoms. It's time for the wind to take us elsewhere. We'll take those contacts. Where it will lead us, only the future can say. Good. That's it. That, that sits well with me. Um, I'll um, write you up a few letters, as and the like. My word's still pretty good coin. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of security in it as a trade. Um, you're, um, wel- and you're welcome to camp here for as long as you've a mind to and get your people well sorted out before you want to hit, get on the road. Thank you. I don't think we could have done it without you. It was a cl- narrow one thing. I'm certainly glad, says Marlon, that I was on the right side of this as opposed to across the field against you. More than once, anyway. <laughs> and I am too. It was um, nasty enough... Um, fighting the rest of them, you could have done us a lot of damage, and I wouldn't have cared for having to fight you for real. I would like to make a gift to you of what I can. The River Razors will be uncamping shortly, but I will stay for a few... I myself will stay for a few days, attend your, uh, your tactical school, speak to your commanders, give them some practical advice they may not have necessarily thought of on their own. Effectively, he will teach he will teach your kingdom guerrilla tactics. Sweet. So it becomes a capacity that you can then teach future armies. I take that as a kindness. And yeah. Yeah. That is that. Cool. So Kaelin writes them out some recommendation letters and hopes very much that they will be inclined towards the mercenary trade as opposed to the bandit trade. Yeah. Because it is definitely um, considerably, 
it, while it's not necessarily safer in the form of individual people dying, it's definitely safer in the form of no one feeling the need to track you down and hang you. <laughs> so, they're going to book out of here um, in a reasonably hasty manner. Yeah. Like, it not insultingly so, but yeah. um, certainly no longer than that. Yeah. Uh, gorilla tag. Alright, so... I will add these to the list of tactics. Uh, he teaches you. He teaches your kingdom guerrilla tactics and fade away. Awesome. And that is pretty much um, the story of Marlin and Laura Rusk and their, and their child. Yep. Which I am fine with. I'll say goodbye to the kid as well, just yep. on um, when I get the when I get the chance. Wish him the best for his future. And um, you know, a few scout, a few scouts shadow them. They basically head off Belzin Way. Yeah, and indeed exit your kingdom. Yeah, and over several weeks, you will get reports back that they have indeed exited the River Kingdoms. Period. Yep. At which point that. Um that solves that problem because Kalen really, really wanted to express his that he would kill them if they started the bandit trade, but he really didn't want to do that. So he's super happy that if they do go back to banditing, they'll be doing it somewhere else. Yep. And he is hoping that they will find mercenary work instead. Oh, who knows? They may most likely turn up in another campaign somewhere. Ah, very nice. <laughs> Among other things, I hear the shackles is wonderful for that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Although it may be less, you know, um, Chrysler and um, Elders down, down there, so it may be a bit less crime friendly than it was. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, do Chrysler and Elders go down there and fight against the pirates, or did they go down there and go pirate? It's a very good question. Like. You know Vaughn is super lawful. How yeah. lawful is Eldest, though? That is a He's extremely practical. Yeah. And he certainly, you know, has honour and keeps his word and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> I always envisage them fighting pirates. Who knows? Yeah. You'll have to wait to get there to find out. Yeah. Okay, so that's that. Yes, and then we'll go see Tristram. Yep. Um, I've got something for you and um, Kaelin has actually wrapped this yeah. relatively carefully so it's like oh. a, a sealed package you know he he takes it very clearly recognises that it's obviously a book or a journal of some kind and very carefully and delicately unwraps it he doesn't need to be anywhere near this delicate with it it's actually in pretty good condition it's yeah. not an ancient mouldering tome or anything and wraps it oh oh my oh oh this is this is looks like an intact copy of Zadig's picnic. In a sense, it's a present from Eravetti as well. He made a fairly sincere effort to murder me, but he clearly made sure that if I did survive, I'd have the opportunity to take that. I see. Well, are you all right? Uh. Obviously, you survived, but. Aye, but it was a damn close run thing. 
and I will tell them a little bit about yep. the, the um the I'll tell them a little bit about the um Iravini yep. robot and, 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 he, will and a- he will actually put Zadiga's picnic down and sit there and listen to you and give you like ninety eight percent of his yeah. potential just the occasional like yeah. book I'm focused on Caleb. Yeah. That's basically so yeah, Bryn and I worked it out afterwards and we were pretty sure he was trying to kill me but not kill her. So there is some humanity in there somewhere. I can see why you might not personally be feeling it at this moment. I wasn't... I'm still pretty... I'm pretty unhappy with him. This is definitely taking our relationship in a downward turn. But then I was there to kill him as well. Um, And I can can certainly sympathise with his desire not to kill Bryn. Although I have to say she's not... She's not taking it well. In any case, he seems to have had a lot of different plans for how this would go. And the message was that if I survived that, apparently we deserved something as picnic. And one of them was to have this. So... Interesting. I figure I'll um, leave you to the reading and you can um, tell me what it says another day. I, I'll certainly read it over in depth, but... Um, I don't imagine it will take terribly long. He sort of flips through a couple of pages and shows you, like, big illustrations, not a lot of text. Um, It's, well, primarily a children's story. It shouldn't take me more than 20 minutes to read this. I'll I'll go over it exceptionally carefully, of course. Um, uh, Perhaps this is one that... Perhaps this is one that you could handle reading as well. (laughs) Aye, but why don't you... It may not summarise well. Yes, alright. Well, what about you read it first, yeah. and then I'll read it soon. And, and indeed, that will be the case. But yeah. literally, this is the kind of thing that Caelan could actually read himself fairly easily. It is not an intellectual tome at all. Yeah. So, I read it, Yep. Um, and now I desire the Zuddigus Pitkin handout. Do you want to read it for the recording? Or? I will need to read it into the record at some point, so I can read it to you and then hand it to you, or... Well, I'm just as happy to um, just read through it myself, and then you can read it as a recording later if you're good with that. Just give me a minute to read it myself. So what Helen is now reading is a series of notes that I wrote for her on Zadig's Picnic. Zadig's Picnic. This lost tome was written about 30 years ago by the Pytaxian Khan Zadiger, a writer and an illustrator of several then-popular children's books, Zadiger retreated from publishing for three years while he worked on Zadiger's picnic. While this occurred, a baffling killing spree, the most prolific serial killing in the River Kingdoms, took place in Pytax with victims posed in unusual ways. When Zadiger's picnic was published, the illustrations were immediately linked to the killings. Zadiger was convicted of the crimes, which he freely confessed were an effort to drive the pitches out of his head. He was sentenced to death and executed swiftly. Groups of shocked parents burned his books, making this copy of Zadiger's Picnic a very rare tome. The first page shows an elegant but disturbing woodcut illustration, and the words, All that follows is true. The text is a short, light, whimsical children's story, each page comprising of only a couple of sentences. It tells the story of an unidentified man, presumably Zadiger himself, sitting down to have a picnic in the forest when a crow steals his spoon. He pursues the bird on a chase far from home through strange locations and exotic creatures, 
retrieves the spoon and returns home to enjoy the best picnic ever. The illustration of this is a disturbingly graphic image of him roasting the still-living crow for his picnic. To anyone who is familiar with the first world, it's clear that Zadiga passed through a portal into it, found his way through a bewildering maze of strange and warped locations, and met with several fey-touched creatures. When the illustrations are carefully examined, one can see a variety of words hidden around in the imagery, describing in greater detail Zadiga's nightmarish encounters. He speaks of a castle of sharp towers and strange colours, each sharp enough to cut and bleed, with a thousand screaming voices heard behind its walls. A crib, woven from dark wood and thorns, but with no baby sleeping in it, while suits of dark wood armour and a variety of increasing children's sizes loom over it. An immense night-black crow whose wings block out the stars, the older brother of the crow who steals the hero's spoon. Zadiga blames the nightmare rook for bringing his dreams to life. In the children's text, the hero effortlessly defeats the rook by directly confronting it and forcing it to flee. Strange small strips of earth with grass and hills on top, each slightly different, kept in glass bottles and guarded by a giant earthworm. Zadiga breaks one of the bottles and the earth expands back to its regular size, smashing Zadiga aside under tons of dirt. A hideous, whip-thin, draconic beast, its head a mass of eyes and whiskers that glowed with a burning green fire and spoke in a voice of madness. In the children's text of Zadiga's picnic, the hero merely sights the creature at a distance and moves on. Readers who are familiar with the mythical beast would recognize a description of the Jabberwocky. Extensive dis- details of the routes that the hero took to pass from location to location. These are precise but baffling, with no respect shown to logical sense, including directions to follow stars that don't exist, double back along paths one hasn't yet taken, and sail rivers on land. The text ends with a map of the area with no further explanation given. Unlike the nightmarish images of the main text, the map has a beautiful, almost dreamlike atmosphere. And then in my handout, there is a picture of the map. Okay, I see it. What do you see? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do this in character. Ah, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, like, Tristan will read it, you know, say, interesting. Uh, why don't you take a look yourself, and then we'll share our conclusions. And, um, Kaelin pauses and sort of reads one bit several times, and then... Aye, well, there's one thought that speaks to my mind, and he will flip the page over to the description of the glass jars containing, um, strips of earth. Yeah. Doesn't this strike you as, as sort of like what's been happening in our land? It's, the, the land is missing. It makes a certain amount of sense, I mean... What if it's being taken to some place and Zadiga found where it's being t- into the first world and Zadiga found where it's being kept in these glass jars? And reduced, clearly. He speaks of something he could, a bottle he could fit into his hands, but it expanded when he broke it. We thought that the, from looking at it, that magic had been used to dig them up. Maybe magic was used to shrink them down and take them away. It's certainly one explanation as to where all that 
soil and grass and things wind. Such a thing is certainly possible. I mean, if the glass is ambiently magic itself, obviously it isn't reducing the earth around it. But once it's entirely enclosed, that might be a different matter. Like sealing a ritual circle, as it were. That's what's stuck out from my mind. Anything stick out for you? Uh, I, we've heard of the Jabberwocky and the Nightmare Rook. Bef- we've heard of the Jabberwocky before, and I've heard of the Nightmare Rook as a creature of the first world, something, from your point of view, I suppose, bizarre and mutated, like the Albia. Uh, I understand what the picnic is saying about these portals, uh, passages one hasn't yet taken, sailing rivers on land, that sort of thing. Well, you've, you've seen the first world as well. You know what that's like. Uh, what comes to my mind is the crib. With the suits of armour. Dark wooden thorns, but no child sleeping in it yet. We've seen armour like that. Aye, I did think of Chris when I read it. When it was written, he wouldn't have been taken yet. Nay, but apparently it was a long-laid plan if there was supplies for him all put aside. So, in fact, the timing on that um, basically runs to such an extent that depending on the specifics, um, Triss... Because Triss is presumably the same age as Tristan. Yeah. At least, um, for illustrative purposes, yeah. God knows how old Tristan actually is, given the changeling thing. Yeah. But, um, uh, he should actually run more or less to form, and they are both um, about 30 yeah. at this point. So um, Zadig's Picnic would have been written around the time, depending on where it falls exactly, around the time somewhere around, like, Triss was, um... Stolen? Conceived. Right. And then at some point was stolen, so you've got, like, a gap of, like, two years in there. So it's a very similar sort of time period. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, it was, um... Tristan's largely basing it off. Zadiga didn't describe them being a baby in there, so Triss wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but, you know... It was it was probably going to happen imminently. Yeah. In fact, Tristan just sort of thinks of several possibilities. I, I suppose the baby could have been elsewhere. Go slightly white. I suppose the baby could have been me, the one that was there in the first world anyway, until it was kidnapped. Until Trist was stolen and I was put in his place. Mm-hmm. Um. Pat him on the shoulder, like. And the castle, sharp towers and strange colours, each sharp enough to bleed a thousand voices. Like the forest of a thousand voices? And the castle of knives. Yikes. (laughs) And Zanaka was Pytaxian. He obviously went through somewhere in that area. I um the Faye to- some of the Faye have told me that um the the forest is uncanny 
that they don't want any part of it. And rumour has the Castle of Knives is there sometimes and not in others. Doesn't sound like a place I'm particularly keen to explore. He must have gone through... His experience must have driven Paul Zerdegat mad, but he absolutely went through. No question that he was in the first world. Nay, he's got too much. He's got too much of a handle on what was going on there, and it may be that while he couldn't deal with its experience, he's not making any of it up. Well, all that follows is true. He says. All that follows is true. Yes. This. I don't know what's up with the 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 murders, though. If that was something he was doing, or something that just happened because he wrote the book. Uh, So. He confessed to doing the murders in an effort to drive the pictures out of his head. Right. So he, he went crazy and murdered the people. Very, uh, th- there are certainly... There could be more complicated explanations. Someone else murdered them and then... Framed him. Uh, framed, framed, framed him and convinced him to confess. Yeah. But simpler explanations suggest that he just went batshit crazy. And in much the same way that Salvador was painting things to get yeah. the pictures out of his head, he was killing yeah, people so to was, get the pictures out of It was a series of serial killings um, with victims posed in unusual ways that linked immediately to the illustrations of Zadig's picnic. Once. Yeah. Like he killed people over the three years he was working on it. Yeah. And then when the book was actually published, people went, this is a children's story, but it's it's really disturbing, and it like this looks like the ki- oh, okay. We should like talk to this guy and arrest him. And as soon as they convicted him, or rather, they arrested him. Yeah. he confessed to it. They convicted him. Yeah, they executed him, and then they burned. And then they the burned lots of copies, all the copies of something they could get their hands on. Yeah, because like that's not a that's the picture in your child's story. Is yeah. this guy like with a knife in the shadows? Yeah, and the raven. So, yeah, um, well, fascinating to read in uh, a rare copy. I don't know how much closer this brings us to why Castruccio Uribeni wanted us to have it, though. He has some sort of rivalry with the First World. Titania said he was an unnatural being, and he, he said she was manipulative and I was a fool to trust her. He, I don't think it's just that his nature is a. She clearly doesn't like things that aren't automatons, golems, clockwork men, and she feels he's made a poor choice, turning himself into one. Which, really, I'm I'm with her on that one. But I do wonder if the rivalry between them runs deeper than what he is to whatever it is that he's doing. I don't think he worships the Out of Dark. I don't get that smell off him at all. But that's not the that's just the deepest thing that she's opposed to, not the only thing. No. It may be that he has his own idea about what he wants the River Kingdoms to be. And in a lot of ways he's very dedicated to Gorom and to war, and of course that's very opposed to what she's dedicated to. He wants... He sees a war coming, maybe. And he wants to be able to win it. Maybe he's, um, I mean, Grilton did it because they're daft, but maybe he sees a war coming with the First World. If there's um, folk there taking bits of our land and storing it in jars, 
It may be that there's trouble coming. It may be that there's more to what happened with you and Triss than just the cult of Gairona seeking to stir up trouble. It may be that he wanted us to have this information. Yeah. That would make a certain amount of sense. Uh, for starters, I, I concur with your point entirely that Erevetti is uh, perhaps the last person I would expect to be involved in worshipping the Alpha Dark. It's an act of madness, and he's the most logical person we know to a fault. Uh, and you're quite right that he has any number of reasons to oppose Titania a man of cold iron and the fae for starters a man of war and a a woman of extreme peace opposites in many ways but the map inside of his picnic if a war with the first world is coming then it may be that Erebeti will need someone else to fight it if he is unavailable. Perhaps if he had won, if he had killed me, then he would have been in a position to prosecute such a thing directly. And if he re- if he killed you, he would have simply regained his copy of Zodigus Pekner. But if he didn't win, I think he still intends to fight the war that he sees coming. But it may be that he'll need me as an ally. He always has a backup plan. I don't want to fight the First World, I've got to say. It seemed like a daft idea when Grolton tried it. It's only a projection. I mean, there are entities within the First World that uh, doubtlessly would mean us harm, but by and large, the, the plane of existence is not hostile to mortal kind. Not intentionally, anyway. No. It's, um... I, I can't... It's a very beautiful place, but I can't say I'd fancy going back. And but there is a difference between monsters that are of the fae, monsters that are of the fae, and all-out war. But there, and it may be that if we're, if there is such a war coming, that it's not the whole of the first world, but rather some creatures that dwell there that have their own plans, in the same way that the um, evil fae that worshipped Gairona were up to no good. Maybe there's some faction there that means this harm. Still not something I'd relish doing, but they do call them the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and where are a matter of some debate. But if someone's minded to steal them back, well, we live here now. He looks kind of sad that I don't want to end one war just to go into another. I don't either, but peace is not something you can have with you can have without being prepared to fight for it. Well, let's not borrow trouble if we can help it. I think it's best to have an understanding of what we might need to be prepared for. But there's no evidence that there's any trouble immediately brewing on our horizon. For all we and and the folk there don't think of time as mortals do. For all we know, this might be and Iravetti's in no hurry. For all we know, this is something that um, the kids will have to watch out for. Fair point. It would I certainly wouldn't object to a few years without a um, bloody conflict with someone, and we've certainly thinned out the. Um, 
potential enemies on our borders. I um, sincerely hope the boy aren't going to mean us harm. I've certainly strengthened them if they are. But I, it was certainly my intent to create enough of a balance that they wouldn't have to worry about us and we wouldn't have to worry about them. And it's ended the Civil War, which is a good thing. Anyway, whatever happens, I figure it can go into our library and be a treasure of our kingdom. I'm glad to have the Quite chance. True. To, and I'm glad to have the chance to give it to you. I um, really tried to knock off of this horse and win it for you, but um, he was just a bit too bloody quick. Well. It's not a problem that's going to be vexing us over much anymore. No. No, I suppose not. But, uh. He was doing his duty as he saw it. The illustrations. To create these with woodcuts. It must have taken him years. He sort of goes yeah. back into his book. Yeah, I won't leave him to it. Yep. Cool beans. Yeah. So, what happens now? From the GM's point of view, nothing. Nothing yeah. is jumping out at you. Yeah. Um, you are very much driving yourself again. Okay, so if this is um, what I'm asking is, are we heading into are we heading into downtime? Is that what's happening next? Is this um, uh, what do you mean by downtime? Uh, like in previous, at the end of previous books, we've had a year or so of downtime. Yep. Are we there or? No, you have not finished book five. Cool. That's the question that I was seeking answer to. There is more to what? There is more to exploring the remains of Pytax. Correct. It is merely um, operating at this point to some extent on your schedule because um, I've solved the. There is no longer part. anyone pressing a war against you. Cool. Okay. So it's very much Kalen deciding for himself whether he wants to, um, you know, go out, explore, sit down, divide treasure, whatever. All right, so what's going to happen um, is um, I do want to divide treasure, um, I and then the next thing will be a kingdom turn and rearranging the council. Yep. Because um, we're um, losing... Tyrion. Ty- losing Tyrion. Yep. So we'll be rearranging things. So... I believe I would like to start with a kingdom turn. Sure. Catch up on what's happened to the kingdom. Yes, among other things, um, there are sort of still... um, uh, from Kalen's point of view, several unresolved plot threads happening in Phytax. Yep. Erevedi um, is still possibly somewhere. There's still the Tripathic Stone. There's still a bunch of Phytax that you haven't explored. Yes, I um, am aware of these things. But, you know, it, we, I, I don't necessarily know how much of a deal they're going to be. Yep. Um, Yes, and I am very aware of the tripartite stone, but you know, a fail to recover blight. Somebody wasn't kind enough to die with blight in their hands. Yeah. Well, I invaded his blooming kingdom. I did all I could. It's fair. 
treasury's not actually doing too poorly. Nice 70 build points. Callan didn't know he was going to make his economy check. Alrighty, um... Okay, I'm ready. Let's roll through the kingdom turn. Yep. Stability check? Stability check. Okay, so... With the current unrest total, which was quite high, I fail that um, by four. Gain a single unrest. Cool. It's been an eventful time and people are tense. (laughs) Pay consumption. Uh, Let me know if that brings you into negatives. It does not. Cool. Um, Because you uh, basically take additional unrest. Yeah, Kalen put some money in the treasury because he was worried about going into negatives, but then he made his economy check and it turned out he actually had enough money to get off. Yeah, you were making plans to borrow from Dagamite, but that's not actually necessary now, is it? Yeah, no, it's not not necessary now. It was um, it was one of those roll an eighteen will be fucked on the economy things because I um yeah. Roll or, need, be, need, roll or be fucked. Yeah, I needed a, I needed an 18 or better on the dice, and yep. I got it. But you can see why I wasn't planning around the assumption that was going to happen. Vacant magic item slots. I do indeed have one. Uh, you garner an immovable rod. Alright, well, I already have one, so I probably don't want another one. I think I might just cross this next one off by random list, because it might be the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Sure. A returning longbow. So when you throw it, it comes back to your hand. Yeah, that's that's stupid. I mean, it's randomly generated, so... Yeah, mm mm-hmm. I'll apply some GM logic in there. Cool. Alright, moving along. Uh, You may use your Royal Enforcer if you wish to modify your unrest. Um, No, loyalty is too high. Uh, Isn't it not high enough? Uh, change leadership, claim and abandon hexes, build things. Alright, well let's start with taking a look at change leadership. So, um, is at the, having defeated, um, uh, talking, uh, one of the things I'm doing is looking at my army commanders. Yep. Um, and I'm assuming at this time that um, Eugenia Varadu is um, heading back to Dagomar? Yeah, not with any um, it, not with any enormous rush, but basically at your, um, yeah. at your leisure. So I don't know if... I, 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 I will obviously say goodbye to her. I don't know if we do a scene for that or... It's probably not madly. No, so uh, I farewell her with thanks. Yep. And um, tell her it's been basically an honor serving with her because she's amazing. Yep. So I lose her and her awesome charisma bonus from yep. the army. Because I now basically have Keston Garrus back. And yes, what I'm contemplating... And I have I am losing a treasurer. And I am contemplating promoting either Keston Garrus or Sir Frederick March to my council. And I'm trying to decide what to do about that. Fair. Uh, so I'm going to actually dig out my um, councillor sheet and have a look at um, who I've got and what I can do with them. Yes, unfortunately you have um, killed most of the Pytaxian Counselor um, possibilities. Well, also, um, I think the thing of giving them to 
Mivorn is um Mivoy is that um she gets the benefit of that. Yes, yeah, but but um you have killed most of the named Pytaxian NPCs at this point, so in all fairness, most of them were trying to kill me. Well, yes, yes, I'm not really faulting you per se, but <laughs> those are the guys who were the counsellors. Yeah. Um, so, um, I need a treasurer. Yep. Um, so my first question would be to Leon. Yep. To find out if that is something he is interested in doing at this time, now he's had a bit more time apprenticing at the treasury, or if it still seems a bit daunting. Yeah. And he sort of he he will literally sort of say, you know, I I'd like to think about that, Lord, and we'll go off and have a day to think about it, which time passes. Um, he comes back to you and he says, "The first time this was dropped on me, Your Majesty, after Corwin's death, I I had no real idea what I was doing, but I." I've come to understand that's sort of where everybody starts. You you just do the best you can at the job until keep keep faking it, even though you feel like you can't do it. Until eventually you hit the point where you're just doing it without thinking about it. I, if it's not too personal, I I think I have a better idea of what makes how your kingship has worked now. Hi. I didn't, um, I didn't start out knowing what I was doing with that, certainly. And, um, yeah, it did, um, I didn't feel like the most convincing king ever, particularly when we were, um, a 20-man village and there were plenty of mares ruling over bigger, bigger populations. I, I can't say it was ever my life's ambition to be a treasurer, my, my childhood dream, but it was never really my childhood dream to be a page either. It's just the way life sort, sort of went. Um, I've thought long and hard about it and I don't know that I'm the best man for the job Stagthorn is a huge place now but there are probably more talented people out there for me but you know this kingdom's my home that it means a lot to me that this is what I'm this is where I've grown up this is where I've lived I won't be insulted in the slightest if you can find someone better for it. I'd, I'd approve, but if you want me for the job full-time, I'll, I'll take it. All right. Then I'm good with that. All right. Okay, at which point um, I will modify my council. Yep. So, specifically, I let Tyrion know that I thank him very much for staying on for the extra month, but that he is now welcome to submit his resignation as he desired to. Yeah. Um, and we part in a polite, civil, horribly awkward sort of manner. Yeah. As befits two people who like and respect each other, but really just fundamentally disagree with each other's positions. Yeah. Um... And I will put in Leon as my treasurer. Um, at which point I will keep um, Sir Frederick March as an army commander. Yep. And if Kirsten wants to go back to being an army commander, I would be very happy to have him. If he's kind of had enough of that, we can give him a more background role. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a few side gags there, but um, 
safe hit. Admittedly, my record does have a few patches. Or another way of looking at it is that I have returned from every war I've ever participated in alive. That's every soldier's dream. So, yes, if you are still happy to have him, again, like Leon, he won't be insulted in the slightest if you want to um, shuffle him sideways, but he's um, less concerned about that because it's not really his... Like, he didn't lose the battles because Keston is personally a bumbling idiot. No, no, um, in every case, his army was merely outmatched. And in all fairness, the Avenging Bowmen have fought in plenty of wars where they haven't been destroyed. Yes. It's merely that in two cases that has happened. Yes, yes. Keston has the dubious distinction of being the most captured commander in Stagthorn's history. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but it's only happened twice. Yes, I know. <laughs> Alrighty, so I will keep him on. And then the last change to my council at that point is, and this will actually, um, you know, as we meet for the new month in Rover, you yeah. know, the council is gathered together and, um, I say, you know, something of I'm pleased to announce that our war with the Pytax is over. And then I look directly at Denied Thunderhoof. It's a time of peace. She <laughs> gives you actually a reasonably large smile at that and a deep nod. She says, I quite, un- I quite understand. Claps the hand to her heart. It's been a pleasure. When war comes to Stagthorn again, I will return. <laughs> and I will give her the full salute. And she will evac out. Um, this does not take a terribly long time because... Um, uh, God, the name has just popped out of my head. Um, Akora. Akora, thank you. Because Akora Silverfire is more or less waiting around the council chambers for this to happen because yeah. they've anticipated the outcome at this point. Yeah. Which is actually more or less what happened the last time. Yeah. It's just you're, you do, you're ready for this one. I didn't know that was going to happen last time. And Akora returns. Cool. So if Denise's good with it, I would like her to go back to generaling the Hooves of Thunder. Which she is perfectly happy with. I mean, um,. Because the thing is that she did do some army, while technically as as some, a commander who's being a counsellor in times of war, she may not get a lot of, but we did actually fight some wars while she was commanding them. It was merely that when we took a general war with Pytax that things changed over. So I'll put in, can you remind me what her charisma modifier is? It's been a while. Yes, I certainly can, darling, and I expect you to retain that in your head. Uh, core. Her charisma modifier specifically? The, the needs charisma modifier because she's an army oh, commander. The needs. Yeah. Uh, need Thunderhoof is a plus one. Cool. So that boosts the centaur's morale. Cool. And I have rearranged my generalship and um, reduced my generals by one Bob. <laughs> Bob the centaur goes yep. back to the ranks. Alright, so. Now I'm looking at um, my councillors, and I'm replacing my Viceroy, Denise Thunderhoof, with a Cora Silverfire. Yep. So, Denise is giving me a plus zero. I think a Cora was as well, because of course that's a half modifier, but it might be that she was giving me a plus one. Uh, I'm pretty confident that she was. 
she's giving you more, but let me just check what the vice roy is adding half to it. Yeah, she is adding a plus one. It's a Cora Silverfire. Silverfire, yeah, I was having silver hoof because I was getting it muddled with the need. Silverfire. It's giving me a plus one to my economy. Um, and what is Leon giving me to my economy? A plus one. Cool. So he is doing a very similar sort of level of job to Tyrion in the but I would appreciate the flavour text for how that how people get on with Leon as a treasurer. So basically, um, he is kind of young for the job, but he's actually no longer inappropriately young. Yeah. Like at this point, he is merely young for the job, as opposed to the hastily promoted, um, you know, promoted. Ass- assistant, basically. Yeah. Um, He's actually now spent a good bit of time at the treasury learning the ropes. Yeah, and Leon himself has grown in confidence. It, um, it, you know, it seems like it wasn't so long ago that he was just sort of the stumbling page boy, but actually, you know, Tobias was three when that was happening. Yeah, that's you very know, true. It's, it's, it's now five, five, six years later. Yeah, quite a bit of time has actually passed, and people do grow up on you when you're not looking. Leon has gone from being about 18 to being, you know, now 24. Kind yeah. Of thing. So he's coming into his own, and with yeah. that comes a certain amount of confidence. He himself is not a tremendously confident person. But he just sort of quietly plugs away at the job. Um, he's very much non-flashy. He just kind of gets along with everyone and just does the job. Cool. What he actually probably reminds you of the most is a younger Christopher Rossi. Me. <laughs> and, you know... It's not necessarily entirely bad to have one or two regular humans on my council to vary it up from the um, various the other individuals. Kingdom. Cool. Cool. So I have so my economy goes up by one because um, a core of silver fire is being my viceroy. Yep. <laughs> so can I have your full council list at this point? Yes, you can, and I will give myself a point of unrest because I am changing yep. things, and everyone hates change. So Caelan is still the king. Yes. Bryn is still the queen. Christopher Rossi is the counsellor. Varn is the general. Svetlana is the grand diplomat. Lillian um, is the viceroy of Fort Drelev. Michaela Morag is the high priestess. Tristan is the magister. And I believe has the dubious distinction of being the only man to never be replaced. Uh, yeah, because Bryn moved roles on account yeah, of Bryn, I married her. Bryn and Michaela have been on the council continuously, but they have changed roles. roles. Yes. Mm-hmm. In some cases, multiple times. Yes, so Tristan has just been the magister from the beginning, and we are never changing that. Chief Sootscales is the marshal, Huxley is the royal enforcer, the old Beldame is the spymaster. Pearl Avish is the assistant spymaster. Leon is the treasurer, Akora Silverfire is the viceroy of Varnhold, and Zamanth is the warden. So hilariously, Akora and Zamanth are now on the same council. Yeah, that's the, the first time. To- that's the first time that's happened. Yep. On the other hand, the thing is, uh, not unlike Leon, Zamanth is also a number of years older than she was when she decided yes. to take on Vordekai single-handed. Less, though. Yeah. Because that came... Um, Earlier than Leon, later than Leon's Yeah, but in all fairness, she was like the equivalent of a 23 or 24 year old human at the time. She was merely a spectacularly reckless 23 or 24 year old. But but there's definitely some, um, uh, 
familiar, some family fights at the council. Yeah, but in all fairness, it's, we now no longer have Lillian and Tyrion Nemesti in the council. It's, it's a lot more civilised than Lillian and Tyrion. Yeah, the... the the level of the net, the net tension goes down, even with, if the tension goes up a little bit. With a core and Samantha, Samantha comes back in and says, "Well, this month we had an invasion. We we, we had a little invasion of a band of goblins coming in from the north. Uh, they burnt the Greenbar. They burnt the Greenbar farm a little, but I got there and sorted them out. There weren't more than half a dozen of them, and they sort of oh, oh, half a, half a dozen goblins. Well, that's it's quite a few to be fighting on your own, isn't it?" <laughs> You know, you had scouted the area, hadn't you? Yes. I know what I'm doing. I'm fine. I survived. Well, this time, yes. But the theory, um, the theory with Samantha, she's going to be doing this kind of thing, whether she's got a job for it or not, yes. and this is channeling her... Um, At least she's getting paid. Well, also, this is meant to be channeling her reckless nature and a whole more profitable thing. Yep. Because, you know, I apprenticed her under that um, uh, um Mivonese, um Kaelin and Kaelinite who um, flukily survived whatever life yeah. fell at her on the basis that she'd build up her survival and skills. Yeah, you, you get your unrest at this point from there's some bitching that you're still kowtowing to the centaurs' stupid cultural traditions. Yeah. There's some bitching that you now have two centaurs on the council and they're overrepresented. Yeah, they can suck it. Um, <laughs> the centaurs have done a lot. <coughs> there's some bitching that you've only given Leon the job because of nepotism, which yeah. kind of ignores the fact that he's not actually related to you in any way. And indeed, was just a random civilian who got assigned to be your page just yeah. to start who could have been anyone yeah but there's certainly an argument that his personal friendship with Kaelin is a big part of him getting the job but you know considering the number of counselors that are my personal family members there's certainly an argument that it's much less than it could have been and yeah that's that's that yes cool beans cool beans alright so now now math happens now math happens so if you want to um Entertain yourself for a bit. I'm going to figure out how I can most profitably decrease vast quantities of unrest. At, at any point, are you going to assign Windchaser to your council? No. So you can have a horse counselor just just for the hell of having a horse counselor. No, Windchaser is a personal advisor. I think he's quite right that everyone knowing he can talk isn't in his best interests. Lord Midnight, who always voted nay. <laughs> no, I think Winchester could do a, do the job, but I don't think that's yeah, what he uh, wants out of life. I, I don't disagree with you. I just I just like the concept that you have a talking horse on the council because it's hilarious. I think my council is adequately weird with the two centaurs of the kobold and the old Beldame. Which is honestly as weird as it gets. Actually, my council has kind of become slightly sissy weird. You know, now that we no longer have first on there, the um, which is why it's great that you know when the old bell dam requires, we'll put the fairy dragon up there. Uh-huh. <laughs> he can pry the job from my cold dead fingers. <laughs> okay, I'm all good. Okay, tell me about Rumba. Okay, so a pretty quiet turn. Um. Kaelin um, builds a new road in um, the Hooktongue Slough in a Swamp Hex C8. Yep. He is um, having built a road out to the um, Keep of Flowers. He is now beginning to build a road down from the other side through some very, very swampy boggy bits to connect up another route connecting um, 
the Hooktown Slough and um, for um, and um, Elksris to give yep. him some more mobility, <coughs> so he makes some more progress on that road. Um, he doesn't hold any of the rest of the hexes he wants to build them, so he's clearly going to have to expand, but he's not doing that this turn. He builds a half-price jail in Varnhold, yep. and a house and an alchemist in Merkvale, netting him to stability, to loyalty, and one economy. Sure and a th- three drop in his unrest, which goes from six to three. Um, and that is what he does. Okay. And then we are on to um, collect taxes and events. So let's see how this goes with the then taxes. He no longer needs an 18, but does need to be quite a good number. And is a 1. So no taxes for Caelan. No, no. But it is no longer such a problem to him because... Stuff's about to happen in the events that will change your treasury values anyway. Yeah, that's fine. So um, let me note down what it is now so I've got a um, conception for the future. Spins the treasury down to 33, picks up his customary 13, and has a slightly lean but not totally terrible 46 cool and um, yes people um, basically plead the uncertainty of recent war and stress and things and don't pay mu- pay taxes in any not- to any notable degree yep that army's marching over their lands and stuff like that yep the economy's in the toilet it's um suffered from um Various things. <laughs> I'm uh, coping with a flat minus twelve. So um, and the unrest is not helping. But also, it would. There's very few times where I could sustain rolling a one on the dice. Well, I, there will be contributions to this. Yep. Um, do you want the good news or the bad news first? Why don't we start with the good news? Okay. So, um, over the course of um what would probably actually take a little while, but for um, a narrative, for mechanical purposes, you receive the benefits now kind of thing. Um, Rastaline will make diplomatic contact with you several, several, several times over this period um, to let you know what the situation is in Pytax, in Pytaxia rather. It's largely what you would think, um, the people have not sterlingly embraced her as the great liberator because they were pretty happy with her things as they were. Yeah, yeah, they would. They would prefer. They they would vastly prefer her to Caelan, but they would prefer Iravetti to her. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, you know there have been um, demonstrations and riots, but not like you know gigantic arson and cities burning down and unmitigated chaos. Yeah. Um, and she, in the meanwhile, is in process of, to some extent, stripping the treasury and the palace and that sort of thing, and basically sends you a string of flowery um, 
letters saying as a part of extending our hand, you know, the hand of Mavoy and friendship to Stagthorn in light of, you know, our recent, our most recent alliance and our, and in an effort to contribute to our ongoing relationship and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, unfortunately, Pytaxia's economic needs at this time of transition dictate that, you know, we must do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, basically, she's got the Pytaxia treasury of sorts. Yeah. Um, yes? You good? Yes. Sorry, just um, brain farting temporarily. Yeah. Um, uh, some of which she's keeping to actually run Pytaxia. Yeah, surprisingly. Um, but some of which she's been more or less shipped to you. Sweet. Uh, and unlike the sort of trade routes thing, more or less directly, she is um, to some extent literally paying Stagthorn a tribute, which yeah. does not really undermine the story that you're selling at all because the premise is that she's bought you off to go away, which is just illustrative of her superior diplomatic skills and things. Yeah. So, as I say, this will trickle in over a while, but it's effectively 76 build points. Wow. Which represents largely her taking what's existing in the treasury, and um, about 20% of that is her very much uh, looting Eravetti's palace, effectively. Yeah. For the carpets and the, and the statues on the walls. Yeah. Well, so that will... Um... That will make the treasury yeah. look a bit more positive. Sadly, yes, those shipments are quite delayed by the unseasonably heavy thunderstorms that you are having. Yeah, this uh, is probably going to be part of the reason people don't pay taxes. There are two solid weeks over over of absolutely horrific weather. Um, not quite bad enough to qualify as a natural disaster. You have like several minor floods and that sort of thing. But what you have is just this string of horrific autumn thunderstorms persisting over several days that just more or less shut the kingdom down. Yeah. Like, crops, some crops are destroyed, there is some flooding, but by and large, no one goes out. Kaelin is um, going to sit snug and warm, and will doubtless go out and help yeah. people with things. But at least some of the time he's going to um, sit um, smugly by a nice warm fireplace in his giant castle. Bloody awful campaigning out weather out there. Glad we got the war done yeah. with last, this, this last month. Yeah, yeah, it would like fighting in this would have actively been problematic. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, that that is a problem that you have. Yeah, um, your economy is at minus four on your next economy roll. Okay, so I shall note that down because the way this the, the way it rolls out, you sort of do one and mm. then the next one. But imagine being trapped for weeks stuck inside your home. Yeah. Imagine being trapped for weeks in a giant castle. So you're saying our problem is that in the lockdown is that we don't have a giant castle. I'm just saying, I think if we had a giant castle, a dedicated child-minding staff, and we were living in, like, an enormous building with 40 other people, I think it would have been... Less less of a problem. Less of a problem. Uh, And can you give me a stability check to see how well the kingdom handles this and how it bounces back from that sort of thing? Sure. Yep. Yep. That's right on the edge, so 
even with the unrest, I make that. Cool. So, I mean, nobody really blames Caelan for this. It's unfortunate, but there's weather. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just unseasonable, horrible weather. It doesn't appear to be magically generated doing weather. Yeah. Um, so you may halve that economy penalty to minus two. Oh, cool. All right. Uh, and then, regardless, you gain a point of unrest. Because... It's, it's less representing people are unhappy with Caelan's leadership during this time, and people are just, No! Two weeks at home with the children! <laughs> yeah, well, that is a heavy burden. And also, um, it's been a tough couple of months for people. Yeah. We've had a lot of conflict. And, yeah, you know, pe- people may people well are, feel that thunderstorms are just the, br- the straw that broke Yeah, pe- people back. are doing the 2020 shit. Yeah. Like, we've just finished the war, you know, it's over, <laughs> our boys can come home... God damn you, weather! Why? Why 4722? Why? And Rover does. Yes, so what's going to happen in the rest of Rover is that Kalen is going to go exploring. Yep. Hmm, what is he? Well, he can go exploring after the thunderstorm. Yeah, I think... But um, that does mean that he's... um, Using um, all right, so let's say it's the first two months, the first two weeks. Yeah. So Kalen will wait till it stops. Stops, stops. thunderstorming. Yeah. But waits an extra day when he realizes that thing where it looks fine and then yeah. doesn't. Yeah. There we are. So he can go exploring, but there's probably it's probably going to be a fairly little explore because that's half the month gone. Yep. But um, we, I think. Oh no, it's nine thirty. I had an impression it was later. So yes, Galen goes exploring. Yep. So um, I do have treasure division, but I, I kind of have an appetite to um, go exploring and do treasure division later. Cool beans. So yes, um, let me find my map of this place that they call Pytaxia. Other, other than Zadig's picnic, none of your treasure is um, uh, compellingly critical. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got some really nice stuff there, but it's not... You have a lovely fake copy of White. Yeah. Which just reminds me about my grudge. But it's beautifully made. Yeah. I believe... uh... Yeah, I think I gave you this one in the treasure. That it's, um... It's producing a magical signature, and then at some point it stopped producing a magical signature because somebody's he's... cast Nistel's magic aura on it. Yeah. Honestly, I imagine there's someone out there who can find a use for that thing. And you have this magnificent um, thing that looks kind of like a um, amazing clockwork weapon, but actually isn't. Yeah. A trophyol. I have listed it there. <laughs> Here we go. Eventually found the map. Alright, so where have I been and where have I... Ah, yes, Castle of Knives occasionally. Alright. Castle of Knives occasionally, indeed. Alright, so, um, let's mark on this map the places that are now Mavoyan. Yep. Um... Indeed, I'll do the same on my map. So, obvious, right? Pytaxia. Yep. 
and um, which way is um, that's right, we've got an arrow there for Mervoy. Um, so, and then the two hexes immediately east of it, or possibly the two bottom hexes might be more logical. Uh, I can't remember what the agreement was at this point. I know that we agreed that we would have an adjoining route. Two to four hexes in Pytaxia. This is the deal. So I think in the interests of a nice stable little corner, yep. I will give her that bottom corner. So F10, G10, F11 and G11. So Pytaxia and then the two hexes below it? Two, the two hexes below it and the two hexes immediately to the east of it. So F10, F11, G10 and G11. Yep. That's on the generous side, but the thing is, if you have this narrow little wadge of kingdom, it's actually potentially more unstable than having a slightly solider portion. And it does make for quite a wide defensive border if I ever did need to conquer down that way. I just borrowed your map to make sure we're all on the same page here. So, I didn't actually explore those hexes, and now I probably pretty much won't. Yep. So, that's all fine. Um, that doesn't include the farms that um, what were supplying Pytaxia. Yep. But that's just that's life. That's life. Yep. Um, what will effectively happen with them is they will start trading with Pytax, but effectively just. Um, they're kind of very much sitting unofficially under Rasseline's umbrella at this point. Yeah. Up until as if we decide to claim them. them. Yeah. So they're still potentially supplying food, but that she doesn't officially well, own the hexes. I mean, they can still, you know. Yeah. Um, your farms are supplying food to Mivoy, and Mivoy are supplying eels to you, and that sort of thing. That's yeah. the nature of trade. Yeah. It's not significantly different here, except that... Um, uh, you know, whose problem is it now if those farms are attacked by monsters? Is yeah. kind of an interesting question. Yeah, absolutely, because... Um, the answer is it's the farmer's problem, quite certainly. Yeah, yeah, Kaelin's not exactly immediately extending his protection to the people in that area. I mean, Littleton explicitly told them that they didn't want, want any, but presumably the people down here. And, of course, unfortunately, there's two farms in a fishery that are no longer existing and won't effectively be rebuilt at this point. Yep. Yeah. So, things are not going wonderfully for the people down there. Yeah, I'll actually take those off my um, map entirely, because Rasseline is not certainly not going to bother rebuilding them. Yeah, yeah. So, it's a slightly sad circumstance, but, you know, Kaelin will be expanding into there in time. Yep. The roads, however, remain. And, um, you know, they will have opportunities to... Rebuild. 
So I think I will take Switlana and do some exploration of the northern area that I haven't really had a poxy into. So um, I will ride down out of Fort Drelev as we customarily do and um, have a head over to A1 and have an explore. A1, right up in the corners. Yes. Cool. Uh, can you make me a will save? Just right off the bat, okay. Yes. Thirty. Cool. It appears to be hills. Okay. I shall put hills. Yep. Empty hills. Okay. So I mark that as explored? Yeah. Hides behind stars and over hills and empty holes it fills. I rolled a 30. Yeah. You did. Good for you. What? Did you succeed? (laughs) And then you say it appears to be hills? That's how you show me that I succeed? I do like chain yanking. Yes, yes you do. We explore that and um, then we go down and explore A2. Well, this one's even better. Uh, so, that's a 34. They're definitely hills. Okay. Largely unremarkable, but for the fact that there's a bit more animal life up here, well away from the civilization of Pytax. Yeah. Alright. Um, A3. You want a will save, don't you? I do want a will save. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm really, I'm really working with this. That's a nat 20. Cool. So I make it. Yep. These are hills giving way to mountain and the southern edges. Okay, so it's still a hill's hex? It's still a hill's hex. Okay. But you are touching into the Brathlon Mountains at the bottom of it. Cool. Alright, but, um, despite completely making, definitely making my will save, nothing happens? Correct. Okay. Um, then I will go into B3. One more will save. All right. Maybe what I'm looking to do is fail rather than succeed so I can see what happens. Uh, that's a 27. Go, cool, go. Cool. Still hills? Yep, still hills. Okay. And again, giving way to mountains at the bottom. Yeah, I've got... I know that there's mountains down there, but I yep. haven't explored them. All right, but we are going to start heading down into the mountains. So, A4. A4. Uh, this one I'll definitely need a will save for. Okay. Well, Kill is just rolling really well. Don't you feel good about rolling dice? Uh, 30, 31. There's nothing more fun than rolling dice for no apparent reason. Cool. So, this one is definitely mountain. Yep. And in the middle of the hex, there is a river starting from the middle and heading west into B4. 
into B. Isn't B4 what I'm... Alright, so that's A4. A4 is what you're in. Alright, so wouldn't it be heading east then? Would it? Yes, yes, I suppose it would, technically speaking. There we are. But basically you find in the crook of the mountain, in the mountains, as you go low... There is a beautiful sort of wellspring in there where there is a river coming up out of from deep within the mountain. Yeah. And then it weaves its way through the cracks and gorges of the mountain. Cool. So two days to explore a mountainous hex. And we head into B4. Where you find the river continues trailing slightly south and branching down into what would be C5. Yep. And then continuing across and dipping down into what would be uh, C5 as well. So it splits three ways, effectively. Uh, So you said continuing down into C5. C5 and B5 it goes into. Yep. It splits. Okay, there we are. Just tidy that river slightly. Cool. And do I need to make a will save? Well, technically speaking, yes. Okay. All right, and I do poorly. That is a 19. Hooray! A thing happens. A thing happens. You may want to get out... um, uh, wind chaser at this point. Sure. Here he is. Alright. And can you, he, and Svetlana all make me a spot check? Kill's spot is well known to be awesome. Did roll pretty well, so that's a 17 for Kaelin. Windchaser, who is definitely, as we all know, smarter than his rider, receives a So, Windchaser is sort of picking his way up and down the mountains. He's fine here, but it's not horse country. Mm-hmm. You know, he's picking his way up and down the mountains slowly. Looks up and squints slightly at the sunlight. And then his eyes open and he rears back up with Caleb on his back. And, <laughs> where? Beware! Beware! And Caleb is then looking in the right direction as he sees it. A shadow blacking out the sun, swooping down with the kids. And you have but a brief moment to recognize the wings and tails of the dragon. Oh! It begins to rear its head back. And something that looks like green smoke begins to waft from its nostrils and starts descending down towards you and rocks its head back and goes, and starts to breathe out. As it comes closer, however, it's not so much what you see looking up into the sun as what you hear. 
You don't hear noises of flesh and sinew. What you hear is a click, 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 click. As you see a great clockwork dragon descending down towards you. Oh my goodness! And it is coming straight for you as if it is somehow knowing that you are here. Like it was waiting for you to fail a will save against scrying. So that it could, um, so that it could tell where I was. Alright. Does it have a rider? It does not. Okay. It has a saddle, but no rider. Hmm. Like a saddle built into it. Yeah, yeah, because, um, that's very, um, interesting. Alright. And, um, I wonder if we want to, um, leave it there. Yeah, pretty or, much. On a suitably dramatic note, as a giant clockwork dragon descends from the heavens towards us. And, as you look at this, like, this thing is, um, it is a huge creature. It is, it has all the menace of a dragon combined with all the strangeness of a clockwork thing. And you suddenly realize that you've seen plans for something big and complicated, and now you know what it was. Yes. Plan C, perhaps. <laughs> Was that the one I didn't get? Yes. Yeah. Because um, I did get the Iravetti double, I just didn't work out that it was going to um, involve Kalentrap capacities. Yeah. And what you got was um, something large and complicated, and then what you saw was Iravetti flew off, for, uh, I don't think you saw this per se, but Iravetti flew out of the kingdom on something. Yeah. Like a giant clockwork dragon? Yeah. Because giant clockwork dragon. But of course, if Iravetti's part somewhere, he can then scry on me and send in the giant clockwork dragon. Because he's totes not all done with his attempts to murder me. And so you have seen, hey, it's Iravetti, there's always a plan B. Yeah. A plan C. I hope you have a plan D. <laughs> and thus you have seen one more of things from Oberon's visions. Ooh. Look at the Shadow blacks out the sun as it swoops over here. You have but a moment to recognize the wings and tail of a dragon, dragon before it begins to spit a foul mist towards you. Ah, nice. But now that I see it in person, I realize that it's actually a clockwork dragon. Yes, and it is not ambushing you, per se. You have seen it coming in sufficient time. It's yeah, yeah there's more of the For dramatic, dramatic sake, it rears its head back and begins to invoke a breath weapon. Yeah. So you are now missing... Uh, so you have had... Of Oberon's vision, the Clockwork King stands before you. This should make matters clearer between us. Reaches into a bloody sack and pulls out a severed head. Yes. Of Madame Dumont, I believe, the um, cultist of Garona. Yes. Uh, sharp, blinding pain as an arrow pierces your neck and you gurgle on your own blood. Yet, stupid assassin, stupid ratman assassin. Uh, Akaros's head bug out of his eyes. That That's one big army, he splutters out. Yeah. That was not Akaros. No, because I put someone else in charge. Uh, the creature before you resembles a man toweringly tall with red skin. Since my daughter has proven strong enough to survive the efforts to kill her, I have come to bargain for her life and her offsprings. Of course, Jivon. Yep. A shadow briefly blacks out the sun. Uh, and two things you have not seen yet. A breathless inhuman whisper rustles through the trees, seemingly brought by the wind itself. This forest is not meant for you, man of metal. And the last one, Oberon, moves forward, his hands raised as if to choke you. His flesh turns to hard bark as he becomes wooden and vines wind around him and shoot out. His voice is filled with regret. This must be. Mm-hmm. Ominous. Yes. 
And yes, a gigantic clockwork, a huge clockwork dragon swoops down towards you. Dum, dum, dum.